Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I'm with a comedian. He was just uh, highlighted on the when BBC came to town. Um, he has his own podcast. I forget, it's fucking, what's it called of it? It's called... We Didn't Get a Rose. We Didn't Get a Rose. It's about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And uh, this is the first time he's been in studio here, but he's been here virtually on Monica Nevy's Tom Pitches podcast. Mm-hmm. And he also produces a comedy show. It's my pleasure to have the one and only Chris Mejia. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. Thanks for having me. Of course. When I was doing research on you, did you know there's a 14-year-old producer named Chris Mejia also? Um, I did not know. And now I'm going to be sending him a cease and desist because it can only (laughs) be one. It's honestly, I'm so upset with my parents because Chris is one of the most common names. Yeah. And then Mejia in the Latin community is a very common name. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, you feeling unique in any way, shape, or form with your name, you're fucked. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I just like, that's why I have my to- like my social handles be Topher Mejia because Chris was taken. Oh. And all four, like Chris Mejia was taken. And then like, I don't like having numbers. I just rather have to clean. And I didn't want to do like, Chris comedy or Chris Mejia comedy or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like I wanted it to where like it was just more of just like my name. Yeah. So I thought, oh, Topher, like some people go by Chris, like Topher, like Topher Grace from That Sunday Show and all that. He, and just and now everyone thinks my I go by Topher and the, no, just on the social handle. That's funny. And uh, also people don't know how to spell Topher apparently because when oh. I say that, they're like, how do you spell that? And I thought it was obvious and it is, it is not obvious. Because I think... I don't even know how you thought of Topher though, because like Topher is one of those like weird white people's names. <laughs> well, see, that's why I did it, because I thought white people know Topher, and then apparently white people don't know Turf- Topher. It's like on the same plane as like someone named Tanner. I feel like Topher and Tanner. I feel like those could be like brothers or some shit. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's definitely like I agree. Shortening Christopher to Topher is like oh, European. yeah, that's see, where yeah. okay, that's. <laughs> <laughs> see exactly it was one of those at the time when i made it and i've just committed i'm like well because i also want all my handles to be the same so it's just literally like told for me on everything got it you just look that up and it's going to be consistent but it's just like yeah no one knows no one even realizes that's where the topher comes from <laughs> that's funny as fuck so it's just like it's just been self-destructive ever since i didn't even, I didn't even know mejia was like a last name to be honest and really when i looked up chris mejia i'm telling you this 14 year old producer comes up first. i gotta fight this kid you now. Have to fight like, this 14 year old. the fact that he has better seo than me <laughs> he's just coming up first when you type chris mejia yeah were you doing like just chris mejia right off the bat or chris mejia comedy just Chris Mejia. See, you said you said you don't want to add comedy at that. Yeah, you know what? See, now I'm realizing the reason why I'm not further in life is my own doing. It's not because of gatekeepers. It's not because of the quality of my craft. It is because I have not gone with Chris Mejia comedy. Yeah. <laughs> there you I'm go. I'm just going to go home and cry now. So how did you get connected with uh, BBC? So that was something that um, it was kind of it felt out of nowhere. Wait, uh, actually, first tell people. I don't know if everyone even knows, but BBC British British Broadcasting Network. Yeah, the Safer Work uh, BBC. Uh, they on their World Service Radio, um, they have a show called The Arts Hour, mm. where uh, Nikki Betty. I think that's you. How you pronounce uh, her last name? That is not how you pronounce your name, Nikki. I'm sorry. You're an amazing <laughs> person. Thank you so much. Um, she hosts the show and she interviews all kinds of people who do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do an American uh, tour. Got and it. I want to say they've done it before and then obviously COVID couldn't. Um, and they only did three cities, New York, L.A. and Seattle. And basically each show showcases what the city has to offer in terms of culture and arts and like how it's an innovator in in those arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, for the Seattle show, essentially someone reached out to BBC like because BBC was booking like musicians and all that and then they asked like do you know anyone in the comedy scene and my homie Bo was originally reached out to Mm. but he felt like he wasn't what the show was wanting so oh I think I met that guy I think he's been to the studio tall white guy yeah he's been on someone's podcast here okay yeah so he um he was like I don't think I'm the best fit for your podcast but here's some comics I would recommend and he threw my name in. Mm. And then basically the BBC producer reached out to me. And then that's how we got connected. 
And it was funny because when he got my when I got his email, I thought it was spam. Like I didn't think it was real. I'm like, all right, yeah, sure you're from the BBC. Like, yeah. all right, yeah. I'm gonna click on this link and then now you have all of my pin codes and yeah. all that. Uh but no, I got connected with them and then essentially they they were like, you know, we want your set to kind of be about Seattle and what life in Seattle's like. And I have some jokes that are about Seattle, but Ultimately, as a comedian, you don't want to do jokes that you can only do in one area. Right. Or at least you don't want to spend time like honing in on your craft and crafting bits that require you to be in one location. Like you definitely it's more ideal to have jokes that could be done any wherever you're booked. Wow. Uh, so like, yes, I have jokes that happen. They have mentioned things about Seattle because I've lived in Seattle for seven plus years. But I just like overall, I didn't have like a five minute back to back to back jokes about Seattle. So I had to write some stuff for the show, but it was it was great. It was definitely it's funny because like in comedy, I don't know how other art forms are Mm -hmm. like other art forms that require you to do live performances. But comedy is one that like is just this very painful grind that really breaks at your soul and can tear you down. But the highs in it are just like higher than any drug that you could ever experience. And depending on your career, you either have a lot of highs, uh, either because you're really, really good or you're really, really lucky or you're both. Mm -hmm. Um, For some, the highs are here and there. But for me, that show is one of my highs of just it was just so much fun. And all of the BBC people were some of the the nicest people. Did they all have accents? too? They had accents. And I... Um, I find British accents goofy. <laughs> it just, it's just, which is funny because it's like they're what English started. Yeah. Like they, they're that. There's a reason why they're English in parentheses traditional. Mm-hmm. So it's really like an oxymoron to be the one saying they're goofy when really we're the goofy ones. Yeah. But it's just they just say things like cheers and i'm just like what <laughs> that's not how you talk like oh, you don't yeah. say words like that and then they put the x at the end of their email. have you it, seen that they so okay my favorite thing because uh before we were getting the show all everyone who was on the show uh and nikki we were all just talking and yeah. nikki was like a fun game i like to play is like discussing like what we call things differently mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, like, we don't call pants pants. We call them trousers. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we threw your tea in, your, in the ocean. And then <laughs> I took that comment back because she was like, we don't call, like, you know how you call them fanny packs? And I was like, yeah, we don't call them fanny packs. And I'm thinking like, oh, is it because this fanny mean bum? Mm-hmm. Like, is that what it is? She's like, no, we call them bum packs because fanny in the UK means pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I this is going to be my favorite thing I've heard all year. The fact that, of course, just you're like going to America. You're like, why is everyone wearing pussy packs? Like, why do you call it pussy packs? That makes no sense. So it was just like after hearing that, I'm like, OK, now I'm a big fan of the UK yeah. and everything that y'all do. Um, but no, they all have British accents, but they're all super nice people. And it was also just cool. In comedy, it doesn't happen often where you get to meet other forms of art. Yeah. In uh, in the other, specifically the other forms of the Seattle art scene. Like, it's super rare, if not never happens, that I get to meet people who are in the, like, poetry scene Mm. or in the filmmaking scene or who are in music. And it's just cool to, like, I'm someone who... I, especially after doing comedy, I have grown even further appreciation for all types of art forms or creative forms, Mm -hmm. especially those who perform live, where, like, I don't even look at it in the sense of, like, oh, like, what they're doing is super cool, but more in the sense of, like, looking at it a technical aspect of just, like, trying, like, just realizing, like, oh, like, the way I, like, work on comedy and I craft, like, work on the jokes and, like, like, hone in on them and try to get them tight and all that you do that with your dance or your art or your music or whatever and it's just like cool knowing that like the way i view comedy people are viewing their creative form yeah and they're pursuing it in a similar way and to me that's cool and like i always get fascinated about the differences like how they approach things differently but also there a lot of creative art forms like function like similarly like music and comedy is very similar where there's a lot of rhythm in comedy, mm-hmm. just like how obviously music 
rhythm and music. Uh, and there's a, and the way things flow, like sometimes people laugh, not because of the wording, but because the way the rhythm of the joke goes, just like something in their brain just tells them this is the moment I'm supposed to laugh. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just cool how like a lot of creative art forms are like that, where it's just like structurally at its very core, they're the same, but then obviously w- they accomplish widely different things. A hundred percent. And that's one reason why I want to start having more comedians on. You're probably like the fourth comedian I've had on overall. And there oh. is so many, like, co- there's a lot of correlation between, because I focus on music mostly, mm-hmm. between musicians and comedians. And just how you're talking about, like, um, you're saying you don't really focus on, I, 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 when I see some specials or something, they'll make jokes about the city they're in. Mm-hmm. But it's not, ta- they're not making, the whole set's not going to be tailored to. Right. And then, like, you're saying that you want to tailor a whole entire set just for Seattle. Yeah, it's and, like, it's definitely like, it's usually like a good way to open a set of yeah. making a comment about where you're at. Because people also love talking about themselves. Mm. Like there's a reason why when you go to a, a concert and people are like, what's up Cleveland? And everyone fucking loses their shit. Like, yeah, that's awesome. It's just like, yeah, of course. Like it, he doesn't give a <laughs> shit about your city. He's yeah. just saying, what's up city? And he's going to keep moving on and he's going to leave and never come back unless <laughs> he's being paid to. Yeah. So it's like comedy is the same way where like people like, like when I did my set for the BBC, essentially my whole, all I talked like in my interview before doing my set and in my actual set, I was just shitting on Seattle the whole time. Damn. And everyone loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is great where I could just come up and in front of everyone who are natives and were born and raised here and have so much Seattle pride. A Floridian like me can come up and look them in the face and go, y'all fucking suck. <laughs> and that's this is great. But it's also like, I don't mean it like in a disrespectful way. Yeah. I'm just definitely like someone growing up like I grew up in Florida where everyone shits on Florida. Mm. I've always kind of grown. With still this... do. Every, everyone still shits on Florida. And yeah, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Well-deserved. <laughs> Well-deserved. But it's definitely like it made me have this mentality of being able to realize that like having pride in where you're from is kind of stupid because mm. every place is stupid. Yeah. Like every pl- like everyone makes fun of what, Florida for being so weird. But like. A dude fucked a horse on camera in Washington. Yeah, fucking um, Enum Claw, I think. The Enum Claw shit, and then also, and then like laws about bestiality were made because of that tape. Like Washington is the reason why we have stricter laws <laughs> about filming bestiality, and then also Washington is like ground zero for so many serial killers. Yeah, and then like there's a bunch of well, other. Think about COVID, even it fucking started in Everett. Yeah, it started in Washington. <laughs> like out of all places, Washington yeah. is where COVID, or at least where we found out the about the hotspot. Yeah. Uh, so because of that, it's like I don't mean it in the sense where one state's better than the other, where yeah. it's just like we're all weird. Yeah. So like, let's just make fun of how we're weird and what makes us unique and different and all that. So like when I say I was shitting on Seattle, it was just more of like in that aspect of like pointing out like, hey, here are these flaws. But it's kind of funny, our Mm -hmm. flaws. Um, And it was just it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But that's what's so cool about comedy, though. I feel like it's also changing because of the Internet. But Mm -hmm. wherever you are starting off in comedy, whatever city, you kind of know you you want to end up in like New York or LA to go to the main comedy clubs. And, um, but as an artist, I guess people think about going to like LA or Tennessee or wherever, but still at the same time, people get stuck in their, their, their city circle thinking that something's going to come and help them out. Right. Right. But if you're a comedian, you probably know you can't just stay in the, the circuit in your home city. It's so it's, it's weird because there's no rubric. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because for every person I know who moved to a New York and LA and because they moved there, they were able to find an agent, they were able to get a writing job, get on TV, whatever. Yeah. And then they made it for every one person who did that. There's a thousand who did the exact same thing and failed and were either equally as good or better. Mm. Just like how for every person who like, they were like, you know what? I'm going to not move there and I'm going to just stay in my home base, whether it's a Seattle or a San Francisco or an Austin or or Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to travel in to do the shows that I need. And then I'm going to do the big time festivals. And that's how I'm going to get representation. And that's how I'm going to. And I'm only going to travel into the New York and L.A. 
when I have work. There's been people who have been able to do that. But then also for every one person who's done that, there's a thousand who did it and they didn't make it. So like because of that comedy doesn't have and this is probably goes to all forms of entertainment. Comedy doesn't have a rubric right. of like what is actually the right way. And what I've been personally learning with my career is is not that you have to do what everyone says is the right way. You have to do what is right for you. Because hmm. another thing about comedy is like the traditional way was like you work clubs and you get good at good. You host at clubs and then you get better where you start featuring at clubs and then you headline clubs or you feature at clubs and then you start opening for like headliners who are nationally touring, touring, you go with them and then you eventually get a late night spot. And then after getting a late night spot, you just headline clubs and then that's it. You've made it. And then maybe eventually you get your own like TV show on uh, a network channel that only runs one season and then gets canceled. Right. Uh, that was like for the longest time, traditionally that's how that was, that was the process. Mm. Whereas like now, like you don't have to be a club comic and to make a following. Like you could be someone who does all of the alt and indie rooms and then have a big following. Uh, just like how like you don't have to do that to get like you, like there's so many paths now, like the, the inclusion of the internet and the technology that we get from it and like the creation of TikTok and all of that other stuff. Yes, there's negatives, but the positives is that, and this is, I feel like applicable with music as well. Where like before music, the, the process was like, hopefully getting discovered and you yeah. get on the radio, a label picks you up and all that. Now you can just be, pop your shit on SoundCloud and it blows up and then either you get signed or you just go independent and you can just do, like, you don't have to go through the traditional gates that you previously had to. And like comedy is the same way where like because of the internet, you can create a following without needing to be a club comic or an alt comic or like you can just create your own shit and blow up that way and create a following that way. And so because of that, it's like it's it's great where there's a lot more freedom. But then for someone like me, it's frustrating because I like knowing what the ex like the concrete path is like uh, what are the yeah, actual yeah. steps i need to do to progress whereas comedy is like there's like you can technically do whatever you want but there's also no guarantee that whatever because you can do what everyone says is the right path and never make it yeah but then you can try to do your own shit and make it or but you also there's obviously the the risk of like you won't make it but it's just like, so for me, it's like frustrating because I like having that guidance and that structure. But that's something I've been learning with myself of like accepting what my lane is, like mm -hmm. figuring, not only figuring out what my lane is, but accepting that that lane is going to mean that there's going to be some things that I used to think that I wanted that I'm actually not good for mm -hmm. and that I don't need to worry about. Like before I thought I needed to learn how I can go on the road and work places like middle fucking nowhere, like going to Idaho or Montana or going to like rent like Chehalis here in Washington and like have jokes that makes like more country crowds laugh and all that can be more applicable to like more because I thought, oh, well, if I can play a broader audience, that means more bookings. But then over the course of my career so far, I found that 90 percent of the time I did those shows, I never had fun. I was always right. struggling. And like sometimes with comedy, when you struggle, you learn. And and those lessons are very helpful with your comedy. But I thought ultimately at the end of the day, these aren't really the crowds that not only I want to like focus on. But, you don't like connect with them probably. But I don't connect with them. And right. that's nothing against those crowds. I'm not saying like, oh, they're shit or anything like that. They're good crowds. I'm just not. It's like bringing a rapper to a country music yeah. festival. Like it's not that the rapper is bad or the audience sucks. It's just, there's going to be a disconnect. And I, I started to accept, like, I don't have to go that route. I don't have to be the comic who goes on the road. I can stay in a big city and do the shows in the city. That doesn't make me any less of a quality comedian. That just means I found my lane and I'm honing in on that. Because mm. ultimately at the end of the day, the shows that I've done that have been the most fun are either crowds that are like, younger and more like hip and understanding of like how things work in the world 
Uh, or at least like by that, I mean like crowds that are like either younger or more diverse or at least have had experience with diversity. Mm. I have always done so much better with those crowds. What about like woke? Do you fall into like woke crowds? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, like I wouldn't consider myself a woke comic, um, which I know like woke comedy is a is like a big like some people have really like hard feelings on it. And some people are like, that's the only way to do comedy. And mm. like, in my personal opinion, I feel like comedy has evolved enough where whether you like it or not, or not, there's space for everything. It should be like music where there's like genres. Right. Like there's space for edgy comedy. Like the people who just want to be like, just say offensive shit just for the sake of saying it. There's a there's space for that. Whether I like that or not, or whether you like that or not, no like there's space for that. There's mm. going to be an audience for that. Just like how there's an there's space in an audience for people who want to like be woke comedy where like it honestly just feels like they're just going on stage and doing a TED talk and there's no jokes to it. Yeah. Um there's space for that. And you're allowed to not like that. But I think a lot of people are are mistaking what is subjectively good versus what is objectively good. We're like, oh, well, I personally don't like that. So obviously that's objectively bad comedy when it's like, no, it's just not for you. Mm. Like you could still, it could still be good, but it's just not for you. So like for me, like with woke comedy, like I personally wouldn't consider my comedy woke comedy. Like there's definitely jokes that I do where like I'm making a point, but ultimately I don't want my set to feel like like I want my set to be a good mix of like I've, I'm making points about some social issues but also I'm just being silly and stupid with other shit mm-hmm. and just being like not ignorant in the sense of offensive but ignorant as in like that's just I'm just being dumb and silly yeah. and then I'm also having to make a point about this thing um, so like with my like when I to go back to what the original point like with audiences like if it's like a woke crowd, like sometimes that's fun. Cause then when I talk about, jo- when I do jokes that are about issues, like it's kind of dope seeing those woke crowds, like look at me and be like, yo, this guy's making a good point. Cause it's like, also sometimes when you've been talking about dumb shit and then you make a good point and people are like, that's a great point. It feels good of like, mm-hmm. oh, so I'm not just blowing shit out my ass this whole time. Like mm-hmm. I can actually make a good point and like have like critical thinking to my jokes. Uh, but also at the same time, sometimes woke crowds are just annoying. Yeah. Because like I even have a joke about it where like liberal white people of Seattle annoy the hell out of me. But the point I make is like where like because you can get clout for being woke, people try too hard. Mm. And I feel like sometimes like I'll be on stage and I'll be telling a joke about race. And just because I say the words black like white crowds will tense up and it's just like, y'all don't even know what you're tense about. Like you don't even know you're offended, but you don't even know what you're offended about. You just heard a buzzword. Yes. And you're immediately checking out. And like, I'm not saying people can't be, I do believe you have the right to react to a joke however you want, but hear the joke and then make your judgment. Mm. like don't just like hear me say the word black and then immediately check out like i'm afro latino i'm black but yeah i have latin roots so like one i'm allowed to talk about this but even then like you're white like why are you right why are you being offended about something that doesn't necessarily even relate to you uh so like sometimes doing well crowds is annoying because of that but overall i think like I, i can still have fun with those crowds but overall like I just lately I've just been learning of like figuring out what my lane is. Like, what do I actually want to be? And then just realizing I'm allowed to just focus on that rather than doing shit that I don't want to do because that's what everyone says you're supposed to do. Cause like what's good for one comic isn't necessarily going to be good for another. Right. And like, yeah, sure. I could spend time learning how to make my jokes work. Uh, and just as well as they would in the city, making them work in the country. And I do see value in that, but also at the same time, or I could just continue to hone in on jokes and crowds that I would prefer Mm -hmm. to just 
work with because I feel like there's pluses for both probably exactly yeah and it's once again that in no way am I saying like oh those those rooms that aren't city rooms they don't mean anything to me like I I want to make people laugh like regardless of who they are but it's also at the same time just spending more time and resources honing into who I think will actually accept me Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day to go back to the rap at a country music festival you could be a rapper at a country music festival and have a great set and people be like that guy was good but they're very less likely to actually want to look you up afterwards right and support your shit whereas then if you went to like a rap music festival and performed and you did well your chances of people actually wanting to follow you and support you afterwards is much greater so that's what i mean Mm -hmm. by like learning your lane like i want to find i want to learn more about what my audience is and just go there Instead of just going any like going anywhere that will take me and feel like I'm throwing darts at a board and seeing what sticks. Because mm-hmm. it's also at the same time where like I don't want to build an audience that I'm always going to feel like it's going to be an uphill battle at my shows. Where like, for example, there's been comedians who they've either done like America's Got Talent or they've done something called Dry Bar. Yeah, yeah, that's um, in Seattle by the yeah. by the Mormons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, where they'll do like so. For example, with Dry Bar, I've met a number of comics who they did that, and they got a bunch of exposure from it, which is dope. Where's but that then, crowd? But then it brings a crowd that expects them to be these clean cut comics. Mm-hmm. Like there was one guy in particular, Shane. I forget his last name. Uh, he has like all these tattoos and stuff. He has a Dry Bar special. And he was like, yeah, like people come to my shows and I'm like a very dirty comic and they're so surprised and they get upset. And mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, I did that special, but that's not me. Like, that's not actually, I just basically saved up all of my clean jokes and then just did it on the special. And like, some like exposure is great, but it's also like, I want the right type of exposure. And I want to bring in people who know what they're getting into. So they don't, come, well, one, so then they don't come to the show and then have a bad time. But then two, like they come to the show and they have a good time because I'm what they want. Like I'm, it's like, like the relationship between the performer and the audience is similar to dating, where like you don't want to date someone just because they're they're willing to hang out with you. Yeah. You want to date someone because they genuinely want who you are, and like comedy and other art forms are the same. Where like I want people if they're coming to see me specifically. I want it to be because they are a fan of the types of jokes I do mm-hmm. and not just because they saw me on TikTok or like they saw me do one TikTok about like Seattle stuff. And then they come to my show and they're like, oh, this guy talks about race a lot. Like, I don't I don't know if I like that. And it's just like, well, I'm sorry that you didn't have a good experience. Like genuinely, I want everyone who comes to a show, whether it's my show or not, I want everyone to have fun because comedy is fun. Right. Uh, so that's another thing, too, where people just will show up to music not knowing the musicians and still have a good time. But comedy can turn off people very quickly. And people don't really look up or research the comedians that they're seeing before they see them. And then they will get upset. And it's just like, you should have looked them up. It's the genre thing. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You should have you, you should have just, you know, maybe watched a couple of jokes to get an idea of this. Because sense of humor. Check out YouTube, guys. Jesus. Yeah, check it. Like, <laughs> watch them on YouTube or something. Because it's also like... Because then you're going to go to the show and get mad and like, and it's just like, no one forced you to go. And it's like, it's like if you like, if like a, a musician was on like a children's movie and then their real music was like hella dirty <laughs> and they're just like, all this musician talks about is like eating pussy. Like I wasn't expecting, they were on the trolls. fannies. <laughs> yeah. <they're> just- <laughs> That is what we call a callback in the industry. <laughs> you did a really good job. You did a really good job. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just very much like that's another thing that happens with comedy where just people don't really research going into it. So sometimes people come to shows and they just don't have a good time. And it's not the comedian's fault. Yeah. Uh, it's just they just were like, we're just going to go to the show without doing any research beforehand on if. And like I feel like that's the only art form or creative form. That like that happens where people will go into it blindly and then be so upset that it was like dirtier than they thought or cleaner than they thought Mm -hmm. or more conservative than they thought or more liberal than they thought. Um, Like no other art form. I feel like it happens with that. And it's and it's weird. Yeah, it's it's really weird. 
So did you move to Seattle for comedy or for work or? Uh, for work. Oh. I graduated college uh, and I was just looking for marketing jobs because I just wanted to get out of Florida. Um, so and you, I was, you grew up in Florida and went to college in Florida? Yeah. Got it. Um, and I was basically applying to every major city. And uh, basically it was funny. The company that I moved out for, I interviewed for the New York office, didn't get it. Interviewed for the Chicago office, got offered to go there to interview uh, for the final interview, but then I had knee surgery, so I couldn't go. Oh shit! What'd you, why'd you have knee surgery? Part of the bone in my knee died. Oh, so I have lupus. So oh, basically, whoa. it affected my lupus. I mean, effect, the lupus affected my knee, and part of the bone in my knee died. And I noticed because Jesus. I was walking with a limp a lot, and uh, I thought I just didn't stretch properly after a workout. And it turns out we went to orthopedic data experts. They're like, "Nah, bro. Like, part of the bone in your knee died." And I was like, okay, well, what do we do? They're like, we don't really have a surgery for your problem. Like, we've never seen what's happened. Like, wow. what's happening with your knee, we've never seen before. So we can kind of do this other surgery that's, like, for similar injuries, but there's no guarantee. So you have, like, work. metal in your body? So, they like, they drilled into it and then, like, injected something to rejuvenate the bone. And, like, it kind of worked. Yeah. But basically, the whole point of the surgery was like you either get a knee replacement at at 21 when you're supposed to be like in your 50s or 60s. Yeah. Or we do this and it works. And then you theoretically are still probably going to need a knee replacement. But at the age, you're supposed to get a knee replacement. Yeah. So it was just like, all right. And um, so, yeah, that's what I couldn't I, I couldn't go. And then I applied again, thinking I was applying to their New York office. And I was on the phone and the recruiter who we've talked several times yeah. was just like, obviously the answer is yes, because you apply to the job, but legally we still have to ask, are you okay with relocating to Seattle? And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been interviewing for so many different jobs. I had no confidence. So I just thought, well, I'm not going to get it. So who who fucking cares? Yeah. Future Chris can worry about it. Well, future Chris did have to worry about it because I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'd never been to Seattle. Well, uh, I could not put, you could you could give you could put show me a map, put a gun to my head and be like, show me where Seattle is, and I would just tell you to pull the trigger because I had <laughs> no idea whatsoever where it was. I'd never been on the West Coast. I didn't know anybody here. Like yeah. I knew one girl, but like we were like barely acquaintances. We did a college program together, and like I'm not saying that I couldn't have hit her up because I did, but like at the end of the day, she already had her own like friends and support system and all that. And we were different personality types. So it also just didn't really make sense to try to be yeah. friends with her friends. Um, and so like, I didn't know anybody here. And I also didn't know this is one of the hardest places to try to meet <laughs> new people. So I was coming with my Florida ass, smiling at people and shit, being like, how was your day? And people were like, don't fucking talk. So at first I thought people would be in hella racist. I was just like, why don't these white people want to talk to me? Yeah. White people in Florida want to talk to me. And yeah. then I was just like, oh, yo, Seattle's hella racist. And then I was just like, oh, it's because no one wants to like talk to people. No one wants to make friends here. And like, they're still racist here, but it's like different. It's like, they're not not talking to me because of my color. They're not talking because they didn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I respect that. I, I, and it's funny too because at first I hated the whole Seattle freeze thing and then after living here for so long I started noticing I was doing the same shit to oh, people shit. you who assimilated moved. yeah I was I, I was I assimilated but it was also like but I will say when I tell people yo let's hang out like I'm like no I fucking mean it we're yeah. gonna do it I'm just really busy because I have a lot of shows but we're gonna hang out I'm, I, I promise you we're gonna do it so I assimilated, but not the full amount. Like I still mm. reach out to people. So what do, what do you think the freeze, I just don't even understand the freeze. Is it because of the, people say it's the weather or what? I think the, I think the freeze is probably like a play on words of like how it could get cold here and all that. But I think it's just more of just like, it's like a freeze in the sense that like people are cold. But why is that? Why do you think that, where did that come, does it come from how rainy and, like the new Batman movie, mm -hmm. did you see that yet? I haven't seen it yet. I liked it. My friends didn't, but the fucking theme song was a Nirvana song. So like, really? it was like the entire city was raining the entire movie, and it was all grungy. Oh, that's but funny. I, I so I don't I don't know what leads to it. I think it's very much. I think it's probably a number of factors. Mm -hmm. One, 
Because what I've noticed, like majority of my friends are transplants. Yeah. I rarely make friends with people who are natives. And I think it's. That's sad. And there's an element of that, I think, of because since Seattle has been changing so much, there's a little bit of like natives just not liking that transplants have brought all of this change that they don't necessarily like. Mm. Uh, So I think there's there's a layer of that to it. And I think it's also with the natives, which. I can't even knock them for it. Like they've been here their whole lives. They already built their system. And when you become an adult, you don't really have time to hang out with new friends the way you did when you were in like high school or college. Mm -hmm. So it's like you already have limited time and can barely see your friends as is. So then on top of that, you can't really have time to like go hang out with these new people you don't really know. Um, So like I think that's also an element of it. Um, But I think because like with transplants, they're just they're new. So they're always looking to meet people and then once they've made their support system they also still remember what it was like to move here and people not wanting to fuck with you because you were new so because of that i think that's why transplants are also more willing to like make new friends constantly while living here whereas natives are like i already got my pe- already got my five friends because what i've noticed too like here a lot of the people i know like their close circle of friends they've known since like middle school or high school yeah and they still like they're like adults in their 30s and those are still like their go-to friend group whereas like i feel like maybe that might not be the case in other places um so i think i think that's probably what it is like all of that together is what really like makes the seattle freeze a thing got it i actually really don't think it has anything to do with weather me too i don't think so i think it's just more of like the coldness comes from like I don't know you, so I ain't really gonna fuck with you. Or like, I met you and you're nice, but like, eh, like I got my friends, it's cool. Like it's like more of like that yeah. kind of mentality that's like heavy here. Yeah. Maybe there's like serial killers and they don't want, like, we, how do we know if someone like walking down the street in Seattle is a serial killer or not? You know, like what if they're just like thinking about what, what's gonna happen? Cause they do be the, looking regular. Yeah. Those serial killers, they do be, I mean, they all white. So like that's first and foremost, every single time I see a white man, I'm like, you're probably a serial killer. Yeah. And I know that's profiling, but like- I don't know. At, at now this, y'all know how we feel. Yeah, uh, at this point, I feel like people just don't want to talk to someone because what if they are the serial killer? Right. like, you just but mess with my day. And at the same time, you. people here are so obsessed with serial killers and learning about serial mm. killers. And like, I have a joke about that. And it's funny because, like, I will get heckled during that joke, not for people to tell me I'm wrong, but to correct the facts that I say about the serial killers. <laughs> like, one time I just say that I mentioned Ted Bundy had, like, 36 kills. Yeah. Um, And, like, I equate that to, like, that's LeBron numbers. And this woman yelled out, uh, she was, like, wrong. And I was like, oh, like, are you offended that I'm, saying that white people love learning about serial killers and she's like no he actually killed 38 people but it's suspected that he killed more but he said on the record 38 and i'm like why are you well actually <laughs> me about like this does not matter he oh, murdered God. people why are we arguing the semantics of how like it's past one like, like one mur- more than one murder. Like, why are we? Well, actually, it wasn't eight. It was nine. Like, now you're making it worse. Yeah, a hundred percent. And she wasn't like, oh, if you're going to talk about it, he was a bad person, like, do it right. He killed more. It wasn't like that. It was just like, he was great because he killed 38, not 36. <laughs> Have some fucking respect when you talk about Ted Bunny. It was the weirdest shit. Oh, my God. So why, why do you stay in Seattle then? Um, I, I mean, I do like it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be honest, I don't, there's no city that I feel like is the city I would want to be in for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. Um, like, I love New York. I love New York. I have family from Philly. I've always had this love and obsession for New York. But I also know that, like, after a certain age, I just do not have the stamina for New York. So, like, if comedy requires me to move to New York, I will. <laughs> yeah. But because... It, uh, I, I just don't think the older you and uh, everyone who lives in New York will also confirm this. The older you get, the less struggling in New York seems fun. Because mm. like at first when you're in your early 20s, it's like magical. Like, oh, look at us. It's like four of us in a studio. Like, this is so fun. This is New York. This is what you do. And then once you hit your 30s, you're just like, uh, Fuck. 
I want to I want to die. <laughs> I want to die so much. But also because I love New York so much, I also don't want to move there because I want it to stay magical. Right. Like it's like it's like the whole don't meet your heroes thing. Like I want like cuz like as a visitor, I'm like, "Oh, it's like kind of cute how there's like trash on the sidewalks <laughs> and there's like a rat eating a pizza while also shiving like a pigeon." Like it's it's, it's quirky. Ki- it's quirky. It's cute. <laughs> it's cute that I saw four dicks on the subway today. It's so nice. I love how everyone told me to go fuck myself <laughs> and I barely got off the train. This is this is magical, but then like you move there and you're just like, "Oh, this is no longer magical. Like this city's wearing me down." Uh so because of that, like, I don't really like know if I would want to. I would only move to New York if I had to. Right. Um, and in L.A., uh, I've only been to L.A. twice. And I remember the first time I went, I was just blown away by how dirty the city was because I just thought, oh, it's Tinseltown. You're talking about Skid Row. That's like nine. It's like nine blocks or something crazy. I so it's funny. Like it wasn't like obviously if I go to Skid Row, it's going to be dirty. Uh, but that's for reasons that's like. <laughs> it's it's not like oh this is a dirty like it's because of just unfortunately people are homeless and yeah. this is just the situation um but like i was in other parts of the town that it was still dirty and i yeah. was just like i like how is there so much money and yet it's still so so dirty um because i forget what neighborhood it wasn't skid row it was it might have been either downtown la or it was culver city but i saw human shit on the sidewalk twice in the same night two blocks from each other yeah it's gross like you you think like the star like where the star walk is it's supposed to be really cute it's oh sad. the so hollywood uh, walk of fame no that's one of the worst places you can go <laughs> yeah that's i i only went to the walk of fame just to say that i went yeah just to be like all right i, I want to get me the fuck out of this place and like when i went i would i instantly saw like this is why any la resident is like i will only go to the walk of fame <laughs> If I am being paid to, like there's something there that that is where I'm acquiring currency or like someone is visiting and I like them enough to just deal with their request of going to see the the yeah. Walk of Fame or whatever. Is it called the Walk of Fame? Something like that. Star. I don't know. If I can, yeah. Whatever the fuck is called. What my idea. What I this is my conclusion of L.A. L.A. is like the opposite of Seattle where the, the heart of L.A. is really grungy and dirty mm-hmm. and kind of poor. And but the farther out you get from LA, that's where like it gets more expensive. But yeah. for Seattle, like the tighter you are in Seattle, the more expensive property yeah, is. But the farther yeah, out yeah. you go, the cheaper it is, and it's more like farmland and stuff. Yeah, I mean that's a big reason why I live outside of the city is yeah. because it's just so much cheaper out there. And I think it, it and like as much as yes, as I joke about natives and stuff. I do understand where they're coming from because this used to be a huge art city where you could be an artist living inside seattle Hmm. and now because of tech like you can't it's made it so hard to be pursuing art in seattle where that's your main focus like yes like in an ideal world you could be only worrying about pursuing art and be able to make a living we don't live in an ideal world so like I'm someone who I always try to be realistic. So it's like, yes, in an ideal world, I'm only focusing on comedy, mm-hmm. but I don't live in that. Uh, and I have bills to pay. And also I like buying sneakers. So like I'm going to work a day job for as uh, for as much as I can until I get to a point where I can make a good living off of comedy. Uh, and like here in Seattle, because of tech, it's like damn near impossible to solely be doing whatever it is your art or creative form is unless you're like popping. Yeah. Like unless you're like a, Macklemore, he and, lives in Seattle. Uh, I don't. That's, I hope that's not Doc. That's not Doc's. I don't think that's just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, Let's go to his house. <laughs> yeah, everyone, go to Macklemore's house. Uh, we gave you the city. You can figure it out from there. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, legally, whatever I, I have to say legally to not get in trouble for that. Uh, but if if you wanted to if you want to run up on Macklemore, please wait three months. <laughs> I feel like that's the statute of limitations. Uh, but uh yeah like unless you're like popping you you pretty much like it, it would be very tough to be in this city yeah like in the heart of the city so do you think most comics have like a a day job in seattle specifically yeah the only comics i know who solely do co- comedy are those who they tour to a like degree a fuck ton. yeah they tour a fuck ton like that's really the only way um you can't Unless they're like they're li- like living at home 
and they don't have to worry about rent, then maybe they don't need the tour a fuck ton. But at least all of the working comics I know who they're solely doing comedy, they all are like they only um, like they basically they're always touring. Damn. So are you still in marketing then yourself? Or? Yeah. Nice. Is it still with the same company too? No. No. Oh. God, no. No, that was a hor- <laughs> that was a horrible place. <laughs> Damn. So, what about you? Do you have to commute to the Seattle area also? No, nah, I work remote. Oh shit, that's yeah. So nice. I just stay at home and I do so many meetings with no pants on. It's, oh, is amazing. <laughs> it's just and I cover the camera because I never. I don't want to be one of those people who like they get caught slipping and they have no pants. Oh shit. Uh, or the guys that like jerk off on camera. Yeah, and like, oh, shit, which is just like, over. bro, you can't wait like five minutes. You <laughs> yeah. can't. How horny are you? And don't get me wrong. We've all, like, all quarantine showed us is that man, woman, non-binary, straight, gay, bi, lesbian, no matter where you are on the sexual spectrum, no matter where you're on the gender spectrum, we're all horny as fuck. Because, <laughs> like, it, like, from the start of quarantine to one month in, dudes were on Twitter arguing about fucking Lola Bunny. <laughs> and, like, that was expected. We've been doing that since before COVID. And, like, women at first would be like, man, y'all are gross. Like, y'all are gross. Y'all are just so horny. Like, go read a self-help book. Stop being so horny. And then two months later, women on Twitter would be like, I'd fuck the horse from Finding Nemo. And it's just like, <laughs> so we're all horny. We're all gross. That's great that we're coming to terms with that, but we're all gross. And let's accept that. It's all in the music and movies. I feel like it's it's like a... A topic you're not supposed to talk about, but it's like mm-hmm. in movies and uh, music 24-7. So it's like something we all digest and do, but like... Well, fucking the the fish from Finding Nemo? Oh, I'm just Nemo? like sex and stuff in general. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. it's so in like everything we do, but we you're not actually supposed to talk about it. America's just always been funny to me how obsessed with sex <laughs> you're it like is. You're like fucking the bunny. <laughs> but then like it doesn't... But uh, America is incredibly obsessed with sex but also wants to pretend that it's like better than that. And it's like, no, we're not sex obsessed. Like, no, we're classy. We don't like, like, don't worry. Don't do that. That's degrading. But then also we're going to like fucking have a whole conversation about how they desexualize the bunny. <laughs> like, it's not the fact that they desexualize Lola. It's the fact that they had to even do that in the first place. Because in Space Jam, the 90s, they're like, all right, I know there's a kid's movie but we need to make this entertaining for the fathers. <laughs> what about the Eminem they just desexualized also? The green Eminem? Oh, green M&M. yeah. I mean, that <laughs> that was also funny to me because that was just like everyone, like Tucker Carlson just being like, yeah, before you wanted to get a drink with, uh, with Eminem and then now it's like, I don't know if I can. And everyone's just like, why were you wanting to get a drink with an Eminem? <laughs> Oh my god! That I mean, that whole sh- is that was so fucking funny to me. That whole saga, and it's just like, yeah, the fact that we have to desexualize cartoonish mask, the candy. We had to desexualize <laughs> candy. That's how horny we are. Where M and M's were like, hey, buy M and M's. They're tasty. Uh, we're not selling enough. What should we do? Let's make one of the M and M's fuckable. And it's just like sales <laughs> shot up because, or else they would have continued the character. Uh, so, like the fact God. that they had to even do that and that was successful is just like, yeah, we're horny as fuck. So you're saying you're into sneakers? What type of? What's your favorite sneaker? Are those the ones? Or uh, no, I actually these are Air Raids, and I do really love them. Um, but I would say my favorite sneaker is probably. I would say probably uh, the Blazers, Nike Blazers, oh. are like they're so versatile. Are they and I comfortable love sh- though. They feel they I- are. At least the ones that I, in my personal experience, they mm-hmm. and I'm flat footed, so like really, I can't do shoes with like arches. I mean, I have to because the only shoes that are made for flat foot people are like Van skate shoes, yeah, and then like the Reebok shoes, the ones that uh, they're like you should have stopped resisting twelves, like those like those Reebok shoes. Um, but I would say the blazers because I love shoes that are versatile and they and they they look super casual. But then also, like if you're like on a nice date and you had to wear like a like a good button up and like yeah. a nice pair of pants, like they could still go with with your outfit. Like I love shoes like that and blazers are like that. And then obviously it's very cliched, but like Jays, like yeah. just the retro ones are just. I could only do the ones. I'm telling you. There's there's a lot of Jays and there's a lot of Jays that are just like. What the fuck I love these? sneakers, but I'm not I'm not wearing those. Yeah. That's just too it's like the same thing with fashion. I love fashion, but there's just some some shit that I'm like, that's just too fashion forward for me. Do you keep boxes? 
I used to. I keep. And then I got a girlfriend, and I've learned that I uh, apparently just stock like stocking on the boxes is just a waste of space. So Uh uh, I've I recycled them, which she's right. Uh, It it is a waste of space. There's really no reason to keep the boxes, but like I want to keep the boxes. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to resell shoes, but I never do because I just get attached. I I, I'm so bad at selling anything online, anyways. Yeah, I I it's just too much effort. Like I'm going to buy the shoe because I want it. Like I want to wear the shoe. And like I understand you can make a lot you can make a lot of money reselling shoes, but like also like that's not the point. Like buy the shoes because you wanna wear them. Like yeah. I could go off about reselling like sneaker culture. I hate it. Really? Like because then it just makes the sneakers so unattainable for those who actually genuinely want to wear them. That's true. Um and then, like though, then they cost so much that those who actually buy them, they wear them, don't wear them because they're just like, I spent six hundred dollars on these. I don't want to scuff them up. So it's just like, I buy shoes with the intent of I want to wear these, and I have X amount of clothes that go with them. Oh shit! Um, it's six. Are we over? Okay. Oh uh, fuck. Um, we got you. Got to come back on, man. You're fun to talk to. Hit me up anytime. Yeah, man. This was so much fun. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Hot, t- not a hot take. I was just gonna say I, I've been trying to do hot takes lately because I think they're cool. But this isn't even a hot take. I was just gonna say, I'm not a fan of the Bachelor Bachelorette, but that's really? cool that you have a podcast. It's uh, I'll make this quick because I know we're at time. Um, I used to hate reality TV, never cared about it. And then my last job, not my current one, my last job when I started, all of the women in the office did like the brackets where they would oh. bet on who would get eliminated or who would make it all the way. And I was just like, I want to make friends. And the best way to do that, I guess, is to gamble with my coworkers. And I'm a bitch who loves mess. Mm. I love mess. I love tea. I, lo- I love drama. I don't, I never, I, I never get involved with drama, but I love knowing about the drama. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, it's just one of those shows, it catches you off guard. You just get invested. Uh, and then now I'm just in too deep. I just love, but like, I love the franchise knowing it's shit. It's yeah. like, the TV version of fast food. Like yeah. you don't get fast food because it's high quality. You get it because you just want to like just eat some garbage because it's going to fill you up and make you feel good for the moment. And then that's it. And that's what reality TV is. Reality TV is just like TV I watch because I don't want to think. I, I just want to shut my brain off and just like have colors in my face. And that's what it is. So like when people shit on it, I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's yeah. a it's a bad show, but I but I love it. Yeah. But like I love because it's bad. Like it's it's not if you're watching if anyone out there is watching The Bachelor Bachelorette because they think that's a legitimately great representation of love, go to therapy. Go to therapy. That's where I want to end it. Go to therapy. <laughs> well, this has been the NAS. Wait, first of all, what's the easiest way for people to reach you? Uh at Topher Mejia on all social platforms. Uh T-O-P-H-E-R-M-E-J-I-A. Um on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitch. Uh, and also in my profiles is a link tree, which has links to like merch I've sold as well as ticket links to shows and shit like that. Uh, so that's the best way to follow me. Hell yeah. This has been the NAS podcast with Chris Mejia. And we did it.